let's go. Hello and welcome to this week's brand spanking new episode of Punk Goes Pod, the internet's only podcast that chronicles every single song of Fearless Records, Punk Goes, Punk Goes, Ellipses. That one's going so well and then I messed it up, but that's fine. Um... Yeah. <laughs> Why don't we start every episode with this is a brand new episode? Because technically that's true. I know. I, I just thought I'd spice it up a bit, but I think... Yeah, I like that. My I was too busy congratulating myself on coming up with that, that I <laughs> messed up the pronunciation of Punk Goes Ellipses. Um, punk Goes to the Shopping Centre. Yeah, look, if you... If this is your first episode, first of all, I feel bad for you. If this is... Your first exposure to punk goes the thing? Like, probably not your best entry point. I don't know. (laughs) I feel like this week, along with last week's one, isn't going to be a terribly inspired episode. But look, we'll we'll see how we go. All we can do is try. We have, you know, in our studio um, where our clothes horses are with clothes, clothes on them, our... Three-legged son. son slash cat is crawling along the clothes horse. He's already destroyed a clothes horse in the past, and we don't know what he's doing. His eyes are just pupils, by the way. Like he has full-on Disney eyes. He does. He's army crawling from one end to the other for who knows what reason. The only thing at the top end of that clothes horse rung is some bottles of booze and some books. So maybe he's going to drink some Jamison. And read Harry Potter. Who I mean, knows? that sounds like a pretty decent Sunday afternoon, boss. The, the only Harry Potter book we have in this house, and it's and I don't want to go any further than that. I don't. <laughs> I yeah, like I sort of had plans to go back and reread the franchise and like, or series, I should say. I still kind of want to do that, but also, J.K. Rowling is officially cancelled with a capital C, and I don't want to sort of nourish that tie that I have to Harry Potter because it's founded on the principles of someone who's really awful towards trans people. And, you know, as all, uh, basically everyone becomes a Mortal Kombat character at some point in DLC, she would be cancelled with a K if she was um, Mm. a Mortal Kombat, because everything is done with a K in that game. It for, is. For combat. <laughs> K for combat. Even, like, it's, like, character selection in the latest one is KH. Oh, my gosh. I'm surprised that Mortal Kombat hasn't tried to, like, sue the Kardashians for, like, the whole capital K everything. I mean, it's sort of like a joke, but at the same time, there is also a hate group that uh, has three letters that are all Ks. This is true. <laughs> so... um, yeah, they're both, they've both made very unfortunate decisions being... Mortal Kombat and the Kardashians. Well, the Kardashians didn't choose. Yeah, but to be they the absolutely engineered all of their first names to be K's. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, that's fine. Um, yeah, I this time next week I will have my hands on the full release of uh, this. That sounds horrible. Um, of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One Plus Two remake. He is just struggling up there. <laughs> Listener, you are soon going to hear just Chaos. like that classic with a K. Um, 
that classic, like in cartoons, how you just hear like off in the background, like just a crash of like everything, mm-hmm. like pots and pans. And we stuff. should just we should not react to it as well. We should just if it's if it's horrible, we should just continue on. <laughs> our sun is stretched <laughs> across multiple bars of our clean washing, and looking down at me like I'm a peasant. But yes, this time next week I will have my hands on Rodney Mullen. And I will be getting sick combos. Ah, Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk. Excellent. Yes, yes, yes. yes. That's and very exciting. Right now I'm drinking coffee with a K out of a mug with a B. A silent B. The <laughs> mug. The mug. The mug. <laughs> Fuck, we are we are nearly five minutes in and we haven't announced what song we're doing. So, this week we are examining the song I Don't Know by Ozzy Osbourne as covered by... We just came to the consensus their name is Turned Down, so I apologise if it's not. Uh, from Punk Goes Metal, the inaugural Punk Goes CD. Yeah, the first one. Mm. Yeah, which, which is what inaugural means. So At least I hope it is. I have had my faith in my grasp of... Penultimate? <clears throat> That's no. second to last. Second to last. As I was saying, I have had my faith in my grasp of the English language shaken mm. after getting into a Twitter argument with someone... Where I feel like we were arguing the same thing, we weren't. It was to do with, like, whomever versus whoever. And then it just got to a point where I was like, I'm just going to leave this be and let other people sort it out on my behalf. (laughs) But, like, yeah. I told, like, I intimated to all of you that I don't enjoy receiving criticism. Um, I, yeah. That was definitely a poor decision on my part to wade into the depths of shit that is Twitter over something as simple as word usage because I certainly got paid for it in kind. Um, but whose tweet was this that you were uh, <laughs> that this was all brewing under? Mark Hoppus of the wonderful band Blink-182. So inaugural is an adjective um, or a noun. Well shit, there you... What? Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. So Inaugural, adjective, marking the beginning of an institution, activity, or period of office. So that would be correct. Yeah. The inaugural CD that kicked off the entire series, that is Punk Goes. Yeah. And then as a noun, you can use it as like a sort of colloquial. So like an inaugural speech, especially one made by an incoming US president. So president, whoever's inaugural. Inauguration. Yes. Yep. You Um, are so going to fall from there. Boss... <laughs> now he's going back the other way. You know what though? Like he's in a vulnerable position because I can rub that belly from this underneath him. He can't. He can't attack me. Yee! He is very upset that I just rubbed his little tum. No matter how badly he wants to bite us, he can't. This is a very chaotic episode so far. Um, but, but it's all right. It's chaotic with a K. Yes. Um, so it ends with a K as well. Oh my goodness. By Cozzy Cosborne <laughs> and Kerner Down. It's Kern, stupid. Alright, so let's get into it. Otherwise, we're just going to keep providing a running commentary of our cat scaling our household items. 
Um, I really hope he doesn't like rip any of my new t-shirts because I had an oh, excellent yeah. mail day last week and I'd be very upset if he ruined the Black Sabbath shirt that I've been waiting for literal months for. So, because we have already done an episode on Aussie, Sam decided instead that his research would consist of collecting some urban legends about the man himself. So, Sam, I will hand over to you. Cool. Uh, So, this ended up just, like, I only got a couple in and I was reading about it and it just sort of bummed me out by the end of it. Yeah. He's, uh, let's read some facts first and then I'll give some opinions. So when he famously bit the head off a bat at a 1982 show in Des Moines, Iowa, the bat actually bit his tongue during the procedure, giving him rabies. Is that true, or is that an urban legend? That's what I read. I mean, fucking props for the bat. Like, that sucks, but like, what a way to go. So these facts came from the website 13th Floor. What is 13th Floor? Is it like a... You're putting me on the spot there. Okay. Uh, in... This is, I'm preparing you for a career in politics. You need to be able to answer stuff on the fly. Oh, 13th floor. Yeah, I love that website. It's uh, It talks about floors, and there's <laughs> only 13 of them. I can confirm this one because I read it in the uh, in the, in the the book The Dirt, which mm-hmm. then inspired the uh, Netflix movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1984, Motley Crue were supporting Ozzy Osbourne. During the bus shenanigans, the two bands were seeing who could outgross who. Ozzy found an icy pole stick covered in ants. He would snort the ants like a line of cocaine. That's upsetting. I then wrote, after reading through Ozzy's spousal abuse, desecrations, drug use, and animal abuse, I'm too depressed to go on about Ozzy Osbourne. He he strikes me as that kid that we all knew in primary school who was way too violent for, like... A normal kid. But also, like, wanted to, like, like would do gross stuff for a bit of attention. Yeah. Um, but, like, like, there was always that one kid who, like, I don't want to get too blue because it's always up. But, like, yeah, didn't treat animals very well. well and, like, like, not out of being, I don't know, like, ten years old. Like, because they were evil. <laughs> like, as an adult, some of the things that I read. So, yeah, bit a head off a dove. <sighs> uh, shot cats. Shot and burnt a chicken coop with chickens in it. Like, that's like... He he uh, strangled his wife, Sharon. Um, mm. He, yeah, just did just did a lot of shit to, like... It was, like, one of the... They were out to dinner with one of the reps for, like, one of the German record labels. 
I think that was signed to them. And yeah, he he thought he'd got up and just like did a bit of a dance and pissed in the guy's um, pissed in the guy's beer glass. Thought, oh yeah, that was fine. It's like, oh no no. When when he came to, they were like, no no, you got up and like goose stepped around, like did the Nazi walk around oh this my... around this guy. He got, I think he got kicked out of the White House. He got kicked out of who I was think, in? Um, I want to say Parliament. George, uh, George Bush Senior. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, like, got kicked out of... I think it was Auschwitz he got kicked out of. Oh, my God. You have to be acting like a real prick to be... There's, like, multiple... There's multiple stories of him just drugging people. That... It just... This is, and this is... This, look, this is stuff that I've read on the internet. But, like... It is, but... Yeah, it just... I don't know. Like, like I said, like, we all knew that kid growing up who had these really horrific tendencies and, like, either... They grew up and developed a sense of empathy and were like, oh my god, I cannot believe I did that. Or they turned out sort of the way you would expect them to, where like they're a bit dodgy and mm. like, what the fuck is wrong with you? He definitely falls into the latter category. It's just like... Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a little sort of, I guess, note here. I know that he's seen as sort of like the godfather of heavy metal and if... You are someone who holds Ozzy Osbourne so close to your heart that you can't hear some criticism about him. Just turn it off. Yeah. Like, turn this off right now. Because this isn't going to be terribly po- terribly positive about yeah. the man and, and <laughs> frankly, the song. Yeah, true. Um, it's, a massive, <sighs> it's a massive case of separating the artist from the art. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes it's hard to do that, you know? Mm. Um, and, yeah, look, I... I am a I am a metalhead who doesn't have you know too much fondness towards Ozzy Osbourne and Black Sabbath, so I can sort of look at it a bit more objectively. But there are people that are like, no, you can't speak like within the metal circles that are like, you can't speak ill of this band and this person. Yeah, you know, like the like the people that are that are swamping uh, reviewers um, feeds at the moment. Claiming that if you give Katy Perry's new album a bad review, she'll get postpartum depression. Basically, just stan culture needs to take a good hard look at itself. Um, and that goes for any tier of fandom slash stanum. Um, I feel like we're just sort of diving into a point that doesn't need to be made any further. Yeah, look, that's, <laughs> no, no, that's a good point. Um yeah, we've we've made our sort of opinions known on the guy. Um, maybe we just get into the song. Mm, sounds good. So it featured on Ozzy's debut solo album, Blizzard of Oz. Mm-hmm. It depicts Ozzy's confusion after being kicked out of Black Sabbath. Yep. Uh, Australian musician and former bassist for Ozzy, Bob Daisley, claims credit for writing the lyrics. All except the line, you gotta believe in foolish miracles, which was Ozzy's line. Yep. Yeah. So, was this a single of any... No. 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 Like, it was, um... I think it was the the first song on the album. Right. Okay. Um, but no, it wasn't a, it wasn't a single. I think the two singles were Crazy Train and Mr. Crowley, I believe. Mm-hmm. About uh, famed black magician Alistair Crowley. Ah, okay. Um, yeah. What do you think of the song? It's a bit boring. Yes. To be perfectly honest. Um, I think I... I think I lauded 
uh, crazy train for maybe being a bit too poppy, a bit too cheesy almost. I can't remember my thoughts. I wasn't terribly fond of that. Mm. Um, I would rather that. I'd rather the sort of kind of like almost happy sounding chorus. See, I liked that element of Crazy Train. Mm. Like, I thought it was very cleverly written, whereas this is not as clever. It's just... I don't know. Like, there's a place for lyrics that are kind of vague and dumb. Like, I guess a good... Well, maybe I should look up how old Ozzy was when he wrote this. Because, like, just the I don't know thing, like, that just immediately made me think of Operation Ivy. Like, they've got a song called Knowledge, and the whole crux of it is just all I know is that I don't know, all I know is that I don't know nothing. Like, it's just about, Mm. like, being young and not knowing how the world works, that kind of thing. But it made sense in that sort of snotty, like, punk kind of way. And then, like, when Green Day covered it later for one of their early EPs, I think it was, um, that also made sense because, like, they were in their either late teens or very early 20s. Like, it makes sense. But then, like, you get a song like this. He was 32, by the way. Yeah, it just... It feels lazy. And also, like, I guess because that daisily guy wrote most of the lyrics but just yeah it feels a bit lazy and it's pretty much like from from memory like we only listened to it not that long like we listened to it before playing or before recording the verse and the chorus is just even the chorus is the same and it's just and it's him just going i don't know like it doesn't it doesn't have much complexity to it, which I don't know. I, I, it's not so much feeling bad about sort of saying that about him. Feeling it sort of feels a bit bad saying that about Randy Rhodes, the guitarist, because Randy mm. Rhodes, the guitarist at the time, was a phenomenal guitarist. Yeah. It just, yeah, I don't know. Like you can definitely tell why it's not one of the singles. Yeah. Of the album, it's it just lacks a bit of something else like the the interlude or the bridge the bridge whatever yeah. you call it like it 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 comes in with i don't even know like it's just a bit soft yeah like, i don't i don't know if i need to be brought down i need something to sort of increase it because it, it or actually i don't know because the 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 musical element of it i'm losing my words it's sunday afternoon <laughs> the the rhythm of it or whatever it's just it's always on the rise yeah but like the and then it doesn't go anywhere yeah and the interlude like the best part is the guitar solo yeah hands down it's the guitar solo which i don't know maybe the guitar solo should always be the best part but yeah Mm. it just it just lacks that kind of thing like it i think you just said it like it it, it's all rise with no final Mm, moment like nothing <laughs> nothing to just like come in and just like just give you that kick that i it... love that mm, moment mm, moment <laughs> i think yeah it just i like i tend to focus more on lyrics than the like musical element of songs just mm-hmm. growing up as an emo who like hung on to every single word of every single band that i idolized like i immediately am drawn to lyrics 
So yeah, for me, like the tip off that I didn't like the song was just like I said before, like the lyrics are just a bit basic and not in a clever way. But yeah, like pairing that up with your description of the music and like it, yeah, it's just, it's a bit lacking, I guess. Like Ozzy's delivery, like his singing voice and everything is classic Ozzy. So like in that sense, I can appreciate and be like, okay, yep. But then again, it's like, or I could be listening to Crazy Train and having a great time. <laughs> but like, it's and it's kind of interesting as well because so like I and I feel like I'm contradicting myself from what I said about Crazy Train last time. But yeah, this was the opening track. How is Crazy Train not the opening track of that album? That's a that's a that's a killer opening. Like all aboard, and it has a yeah. Like, how is that not the intro to it to the song? That's the album. Yeah. How's that not the first song? Mm. Like, I, I, I realise I'm criticising something that was massively successful. <laughs> I realise that. I think, yeah, I don't know. I was about to pivot into, like, album sequencing as, like, a very conscious decision. And, like, it still sort of is, but, like, playlists and, like, digital, like, streaming culture has changed that a lot. Like, completely unrelated, but... For instance, Taylor Swift with Folklore. She released Folklore, so X amount of tracks, I can't remember. Then you could pre-order a deluxe version that had an extra, like, a bonus track tacked on the end, which is pretty standard. Mm -hmm. So, like, that already has thrown off, like, the sequencing that they intended with the album release. And then it makes me wonder, like, did they sequence the album... Like, did they factor in that bonus track being the last song? Or did they basically go, oh yeah, we'll just chuck it on the end kind of thing. And then, in the last couple of weeks, they've been re-releasing, like, different, like, chunks of the album sequenced in different orders under different, like, thematic things. Okay. And so, like, and the reason I'm so vague on it is because I've just been kind of ignoring it. Because it's just like, but you sequenced the original list of tracks for a reason that way i don't understand then shopping and changing it into these multiple things that's a weird like that's a weird new thing of like the digital age mm. to be able to go hey here's the album but here's another way you could listen to it yeah which is still the same album but it's a different selection of well it's a different like rotation Order is the word I'm looking for. Fucking hell. What's wrong you're, with me today? Just take a few deep breaths. I feel like you're getting unnecessarily animated. Yes. Um, But yeah, like, I don't know, like, friend of the pod Richard made a great point the other day on a Facebook group where, like, there are cases that call for it. So, like, for example, Kendrick Lamar, like, he released Damn, the album, and then he did, like, a special release where the tracks were reversed, like, reverse order. But that's because if you listen to it in reverse, it tells a slightly different story to top down. Like, that's a okay. very conscious thing. And, like, that's not to say that, like, the likes of Taylor and that, theirs wasn't a conscious effort. But, like, it feels like, I don't know, I sort of, I get a bit shirty about, like, these sort of, like, deluxe editions and, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, the whole point of sort of sequencing your album in a specific way is because that's how the tracks flow, it's how they tell the story, like... Surely you've spent enough time on that, but then it sort of immediately gets dashed by, oh, and here's another track. Mm. Oh, and then you can pull these three tracks out and listen to them back to back. And, like, I know that people do that themselves. Like, the amount of threads I've seen online of people being like, 
oh, like this Blink-182 album, if I remove these tracks and I reorder it, this is like the perfect album. I get that, but also like, I'm still very much a stickler for like, the original sequence of the original release is canon. So like, I've completely disregarded the Lakes, like the bonus Taylor track. Like, it's fine, but it doesn't add anything. Like, to me, like, Hoax should be the end track the end like like you make a plan and stick to it (laughs) i don't know and like it's i guess it all just sort of comes down to experimenting and like in these uncertain times and like sort of you can't go out and tour the album so you need to like repackage it make it interesting Mm. that kind of thing but like i don't know so to answer your question about why didn't crazy train open it i agree but also that would have been a conscious thing on their part oh yeah yeah. as i said like i'm criticizing something that was wildly successful yeah (laughs) and so like if i don't know was the opening track i guess maybe that's ozzy's like mission statement for the album maybe is like yeah it could be i got booted out of black sabbath i don't fucking know why but here i am like and also like as i didn't it's not even just the fact that it was wildly successful it was it was the thing so he got booted out of black sabbath he came out released this and was like well I can be me, and I don't. Yeah, I don't necessarily need this band. I can make it on my own. Yeah, essentially. Back to your thing of like, like order and everything. I will give a a uh, movie example of this, mm-hmm. which is, and it's you know doing it's doing it the right order, yep. but it's basically it's the James Bond films. Oh yeah, Casino Royale, the mm-hmm. Daniel Craig Bond film. Uh, and then after that was Quantum of Solace. Yep. If you watch Quantum of Solace on its own, it's it definitely doesn't. It's not as strong as the rest of his movies, the, the rest of the Daniel Craig movies. Yeah. Um, it's just yeah, a bit. I don't. I don't really know. It just sort of there's something missing in there. Yeah. Um, but if you watch Quantum of Solace, and it means you have to set aside like four hours. Right. If you watch Quantum of Solace straight after Casino Royale, because that's basically how it goes. It's. I think it's like maybe one of the only Bond movies that actually does it. Basically, it picks up immediately after Casino Royale oh, as well. cool. And it sort of, it gives it more agency. It gives it more, like, weight to it. Like, why why he's doing these things and why he feels so, why it feels so rushed and everything. Right. Well. So, okay. That's cool. Speaking of, we watched Knives Out last night. Oh, and it, it was very good. It was excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... I I, I, I was going to say, I don't know about this one um, without even making a pun. <laughs> um, it's just an interesting, it's an interesting choice for yeah. a song. Um, you know, we've already had Crazy Train. Next, we do have also uh, Bark at the Moon as well, which, oh, okay. which yep. is another another very popular song of his, another very successful song of his. Yeah. Uh, and again, that's I'm I'm looking forward to that because that's definitely is that's going to be the one I'm not going to sort of shit on. Yeah. Essentially, um, I just needed something a bit more. I didn't need I didn't need the rise to then not fall. deliver. Yeah. Yeah, like in the in the middle part, the was it the nobody ever something something. Let me have a look. Nobody ever told me. I found out for yeah. myself. Blah 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 blah. And it's. And it's like that has a bit of a build to it, but then it just—I'm pretty sure it just builds back to dun 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 dun. And yeah, like yeah, one of the mental notes I made was like, I would have preferred the song either if it went 
verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, end, or verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. But instead it goes verse 1, chorus, verse 2, chorus, bridge, verse 1, chorus, end. That second usage of the first verse mm. gives me the shits. Yeah. Like, at that point, I've mentally checked out of the song. It's too I, much, man. Yeah. Too much, man. Because what is it? It's like five minutes as well? Yeah. But five like, minutes and 16 seconds. If they just finished off with bridge chorus, like, it would be more succinct. It wouldn't feel so, like, taxing. And yeah, it would feel a bit more dynamic than just going back to dun 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 dun, dun like... Which, look, this would be a great song for learning palm muting. Yeah. Um, I I don't know what it's called specifically, but Iron Maiden does that dun 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 dun, dun, dun like, sort of, like, running yeah. kind of uh, guitars and bass. Mm-hmm. They do it really well, though. Like, it's it's not the entire... And I'm, I'm not saying that's what the entirety of this is. Yeah. Uh, that's not what the entirety of Ozzy Osbourne's, you know discography is but yeah it just I don't know like it would be great for learning palm muting but really I don't know you're building a staircase to nothing which is something that Frank Ocean did for a promo thing a few years ago what did he do? so it was um, ahead of oh I can't yeah it was ahead of the release for Blonde, I think. And he did, like, just a live stream event where he just starts building something. You're like, oh, what's he doing? And he's building a staircase, but it doesn't go anywhere. Hmm. And that was the event. And, yeah, I just remember watching it at work and being like, oh, shit, what's going to happen? But, yeah, it was interesting. How do you... How did he then reveal that that was it, that there was nothing after that? It was like, was it just sort of like... Well, bye. Turned well, he just left because it was just like, so just showing you a thing. Like it was just like a black and white stream of him building. And then when he's finished, done. Good on like, you, Frank Ocean. That's dedication though. Not many not many artists learn carpentry to uh, promote their album. So, no, it was sick. Anyway. Look, I, I feel like I'm being very negative. I, I think... As well, and I, what I should have done is I probably should have listened to this album. I think I would have a better opinion of Crazy Train now. Right. And that's not to say, like, this song is so bad that it makes Crazy Tra- Train sound good, but just the complexities of Crazy Train and the the chorus, um, the, like, the really super catchy chorus, mm. you know, with, with more than three lyrics in it, yeah. three words, I, I would definitely appreciate it more now. Yeah. I'm coming back around. I'm giving Crazy Train a hell yeah. Maybe I did give it a hell yeah. I can't remember. I'm not going back to listen to the episode. Okay. Shall we talk about the cover? Yes. All right.
do you want to take facts about turndown or the or like basically the fact about turndown yes i will so sam has noted that turndown is possibly the most elusive band that he has tried to research online um so hidden away on the website which one <laughs> I like to picture that, like, to you, the internet is all just one website. Just one website. <laughs> and you just have to borrow, like, as far down as you need. And and, and Google is just the, <laughs> the all-seeing website. Uh, let me... You it doesn't matter, it's okay. <laughs> so, turn down... So, from what little information we could rustle up about them, and by we I mean Sam. And, and by website, it was interpunk. Ah, oh, sick. Dot com. So, Turndown formed in Thousand Oaks, California in 94, and they quickly established themselves a permanent seat in the forefront of California's all-ages scene. Weaned on a steady diet of melody and aggression, this Southern California five-piece managed to create a signature sound that was all their own. With influences like Dag Nasty, Sam I Am, and The Descendants, as well as modern-day punk and hardcore bands, Turndown combined the melodies and harmonies found in most pop-punk bands with the aggression and sensibility of a hardcore band. Featuring Andrew of Strife and Roy from Downset, it's not hard to see why. It's literally all the facts I could find out about them. I just did a real quick, like, skim to see if I could find something. <laughs> and there's this website, bayareapunk.com, and I don't know... It, it looks like it's sort of almost a bot kind of thing, like, where it sort of just scrapes the internet for shit. And yeah. Because all it has is, like, at the top of the page, Turn Down. Turn Down is a band. Yep. <laughs> they have been active since at least 2000 to at least 2000. 2000. <laughs> That's the one I was looking at the other day, and I, I mentioned it. From yeah. at least 2000 to at least 2000. Turn Down has played shows with these bands. At the Drive-In, Eleventeen, Fallen Silent, Hope Lifter, Jealous Sounds, Lonely Kings, Model American 2000, Slightly Stupid, the missing twenty third and turn down. <laughs> Could you imagine? That's some meta shit. Like you go to see a band and the opening act is them. <laughs> like, like if you went to see Green Day and the opening act was their rockabilly project or something. Oh. But this is turn down, so you're going to see turn down and their opening act is turn down. It's... I think at that stage you're just watching them in their living room. Wonderful, so so good. <laughs> Um, yeah. So that's Turndown. Turndown. Friends. <laughs> Turndown. Um, cool. What do you think of their cover? Uh, it is basically, it's, a, it's one of those things that's like a shot-for-shot shot remake of the original. To the yeah. point he's even emulating Aussie yeah. vocals. Because I listened to their, to Turndown's one album recorded by Turndown, Created a Monster, and they don't sound anything like this. Oh. And the singer does not sound anything like that. It's just they're a very like no effects kind of punk band. Oh, sick. Okay. Yeah, they're just like a very sort of like nineties skate punk band. Yeah. It's um yeah, it's it's nothing like this. Yeah. Uh which is which is really interesting. It's really also interesting going back to going back to Punk Goes Metal, because the bands that they get for this don't so, exist anymore. Yeah, so many of them are just like blink and you'll miss it, or like just these sort of like little tiny moments in history, you know. 
Yeah. It's, whereas, whereas later ones, like the, the pop ones, they're definitely trying to get bigger bands, you know, understandably to, to you, know, um, yeah. you know, promote their album better. But yeah, it's just really interesting. Like so many of these bands are just not around anymore. And really a lot of it is not pop punk. A lot of it is this sort of, um, you know, turn down style mm. punk I love when you Google punk goes metal because, again, like how Google stri- scrapes together information to make like that top summary. So, punk goes metal compilation album by the Aquabats. Oh, cool! <laughs> yeah, the Aquabats. That's who we should be speaking about. Are they even to. on it? No, I don't think they are. I thought they were. Oh, okay. Yes, it is. Sorry, they did Y Rock. Anyway, um, yes. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's definitely. I don't know what it is. I don't know when I like a cover that sticks pretty close to the original and when I don't. It's just, it kind of is just somewhere in the middle. And it's, and I don't, you know, unless it's the Jimmy Eat World song, I don't want it Hmm. to be in the middle. Like, I, you know, I want something to to stand out. And this, this does not. Yeah, I think I agree. Like, because I didn't bother going ahead and listening to them because I'm terrible. Um, like, but yeah, knowing that they are more of just a no effects type band, I'm sad that they didn't cover it as themselves. Yeah, exactly. Because that would have made it fun and a bit more interesting. But instead, yeah, you just get a Aussie sound alike, mm. and it's pretty much exactly the same. And it's, it's, is it a matter of you don't believe in yourself enough or is it that you want to, that you love the band or that you love Ozzy Osbourne so much that you want to like basically not change anything because it might tarnish, you know, your opinion of, of it or someone else's opinion of it. Like, yeah, why, why these ones that are just the cover yeah, or just the song, like give me something make this faster make it make it sound like you make it more snotty like make it more like yeah i, I don't mean, know i don't even know if that's how he sort of i can't even remember if that's how he sounded but it was just but yeah give it give it a bit of snot give it this was 1980 the original or 1982 no i think it was 1980 build it like give us the 2000 version of this song you know, for a second, I thought you meant Punk Goes Metal came out in 1980. I was like, what? No, but can we can we digress for one second? I yes. learned last night that The Offspring are 36 years old. Yes. And I, I just stopped everything and I vocally said, with my vocals, I cannot handle this right now. You said that multiple times. I and every time multiple. I tried to interject with something, you would interrupt and go, I don't believe it. I think I said I can't handle yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I can't handle it. The offspring are nearly 40. Okay, I'm not going to say anything else, but man. 84. Come on. Under the Originally formed under the name Manic Subsidal. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Whew. 36. Good on you guys. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, it's like, I don't know, do you have any other thoughts on... I really don't. I feel bad, because, like, I want to give them a fair run, but it's just, it's the same, and it's dull. If you're doing a song that that doesn't really inspire us, and you're doing it 
to the letter, mm. then we're not going to be inspired by your cover. It's it's just... Well, that's the thing. It's like, it's entirely subjective. Someone out there will be like, what the fuck? I thought this cover was really good. I thought this song was really good. As I said, like, there are people out there who, like, you can't speak ill of Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. But so... there's also people who would just think that this is good, but they don't care what we think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the thing that about this song that I will say, like, when I very first listened to it so mm. long ago, the, I mean, the opening guitar, like, it was like, it had me. Yeah. My ears pricked and was, and was very interested. But then you listen to it and you listen to it again and you're like, ah, oh, it doesn't really go above a certain gear. Yeah. Yeah. So, look, we've got one more song. Um, cover. We've got one more cover of I Don't Know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so who's this one by? So this is, so it's, there's the, the group Metal Allegiance. Mm-hmm. Who are Mike Portnoy from Dream Theater, Alex Skolnick from Testament, Dave Ellison of Megadeth, and I couldn't find what else he was in, but Mark Mengi, um, mm-hmm. who is the bassist for the group. They also, for this, which I think, so it was a performance, um, it was the it was, the video was on the Loudwire YouTube yep. page, so I don't know if, it's, if it was for Loudwire or if they just put it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also recruited Chris Jericho, professional wrestler and lead singer of Fozzy. Fozzy Fosborn. Who got their start as Fozzy Fosborn or like that was one what? of the Yeah, no, it was going to be Fozzy. Fo- I think it was going to be Fozzy Fosborn and they're like, "Nah, it's a bit silly." Oh, we'll I just, just thought I was Fozzy. being funny. That's wonderful. Um and Gus G from the uh Greek power metal band Firewind. Greek power metal. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, this is as I said. So so many cooks in this kitchen. Um, Chris Jericho, one of my, he'd be in my top five favorite wrestlers. Mm-hmm. I see him more as a wrestler than a musician. But Fozzie's very popular. Yeah. Um, I believe they were at that Sturgis rally. Oh no! <laughs> um, and yet Smash Mouth are copying all the. Well, Smash Mouth's the bigger band. Yeah, <laughs> and they did explicitly I... say. Fuck that COVID shit. Fuck that COVID <laughs> shit. Um, also, apparently, over a hundred new cases were identified from that rally. So, maybe, uh, maybe do a little bit of medical research, Steve, before mm-hmm. you start shouting nonsense. Um, it starts coming and it don't stop coming. But yeah, just just as like, and at this stage, so 2017, he was doing this thing. He basically got a clipboard and a list. What? Over with the crowd. Because he's that fucking good, Chris Jericho. He had a thing called... Or he had a thing where basically, like, if someone slighted him, he would say, you've made the list. And the list was 
so goddamn popular. So hang on. Can you explain the concept of this clipboard thing? It was literally it was a clipboard and on the it was like a silver clipboard on the back it had the list written on it. Right. And if someone slided him, he would say, You've just made the list and Is he would this re- in wrestling? Yes, this is in wrestling. Okay. I this thought you meant in... at a concert and he was like you there in the blue no, T shirt. Okay. I, he may have taken it. I, I don't think not. he would have though, because because he doesn't really the two worlds don't meet too much. But like Yeah. A fuzzy song is his intro, or is his uh, entrance sense. song. Yeah, um, you know, and yeah, he would just say, "You've made this." Sometimes he wouldn't even do that; he would just click the pen, and you knew what he meant. <laughs> and it was, it was over. Like the crowd loved it. Like, he can just, he can turn, as they say, chicken salad from chicken shit. Yeah, basically. Sure. Um, I don't think he's... This is basically his level. He's not the strongest vocalist. No. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, an interesting cohort of people. So, as I said, Gus G from the Greek power metal band Firewind, who I believe, uh, friend of the pod and, and just friend in real life, uh, our friend Helen, I believe she interviewed him. That's so sick. For a Greek publication. Neos at one Cosmos. Point, for Neos Cosmos. <laughs> A That's few years so ago. good. So I'm not going to ask you if you, I'm going to... Actually, I do remember you guys have... Because, yeah, I was just like, I have no idea who that is. And you were like, oh, okay. Like... I can't remember if it was him or if it was... Oh, she might have interviewed both, actually. I can't remember if it was him or if it was like... I can't remember his last name, Flea, but it's like George Stambopoulos or something from the death metal band Nile. That is sick. I do remember her telling you that now that I think about it. It's definitely a band I've never listened to, though. Because power metal's not really my... um. Power metal's not really my my vibe, which is interesting because, I mean, I love fantasy, but fan, it's basically, power metal is basically just the fantasy metal. Right. So it's all like, you know, battles and dragons and all that sort of... That's really... Is it the musical style that you don't vibe with or like the lyrical content? <sighs> not so much the lyrical content. It's the... It's super cheesy. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yep. yeah, like I... I one of the, the most famous uh, power metal bands is Manowar. And Manowar, uh, yep. they were like these very muscly men, like oiled down, wearing loincloths. Sick. Be- and it was just, it's super duper, duper cheesy. Yep. And yeah, you get like, you get like dudes who have, you know, an opera background in their singing and all that sort of stuff. It's That's awesome. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I get it though. Yeah, it's also, I think it's a very European, but not like... Like the the black metal side of it, but just yeah, very mm. sort of European style, which you know I'm fine with, but it's just yeah, eh, doesn't really gel with me. Um, and yeah, so it's again just another cover of this song. I, it, it's another, it's another time that I'm like, really, you picked that song, huh? Yeah, I. When I opened up the YouTube video to watch it, and I saw like the top comment, <laughs> some guy, Gustavo Weber, three years ago, said Chris Jericho is like John Bon Jovi on steroids, trying to be part of heavy metal. And I read that, I was like, that's really mean. Like, what a horrible thing to just say off the bat. And then I opened the video, and it's more just the style. Like, he's got like the bedazzled or like the jacket and like the scarf and like his stage presence. I was like. Okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah, which which I'm pretty sure that's one of his jackets that he actually wore to the ring, which lights up. Yeah, um, that is brilliant. It's 
as I said, like it definitely separates itself from each other, like the wrestling and the music. Mm. Um, you know, he'll just, but it's that, it's that thing. Like he doesn't. It's not like it's hidden. It's not like when he wrestles, he's not also the lead singer of Fozzy. Yeah. It's just he'll go away for a while, and you know why he's gone away because he's going on tour. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Look, it's it's fine. Um. Again, it doesn't really doesn't really do anything. It's just sort of I'm like, huh? So you're doing this one? Are you? You're not doing like Crazy Train or yeah, you know, Mr. Crowley or something something a bit more interesting. There's also just a lot of people being like, Chris's vocals just made the list. Yep, there you <laughs> Aussie, go. you just made the list. Yep. <laughs> and as I said, that was that was that was when it was basically I think it was basically done at that point three years ago. Yeah. But it was still yeah, it was still popular enough. Yeah. Um Yeah, I really don't have any input for this one. Like it's a powerful lineup just in terms of like the celebrity element of the people that are in it, but it doesn't... It's just that thing of, like, a supergroup doesn't necessarily make it, like, incredible. Mm. Yeah. And I think maybe the reason why they didn't get... Or maybe the reason why they got Gus G to play guitars on this, because I think it's... Looking at the film clip, Alex Skolnick from Testament isn't in there, and he's mm-hmm. like, he's a phenomenal... Like, he's probably... He'd be up there as, like one of the best thrash guitarists of all time. Yeah. And he's just super versatile because it's just... Because he also does like, things like jazz and, and all that sort of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's just... Hmm. Yeah. I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't really have anything else to say. And if I if I keep trying to come up with something else, I'm just sort of going to be going, oh, yeah, hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Shall we close off with a discussion of the Mike Portnoy imposter? Yes. So this is a, a fascinating story. Um, so as I said, the drummer for Metal Allegiance is uh, famed drummer Mike Portnoy from Dream Theatre. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2003, a man was going around New York claiming to be Mike Portnoy. And I think he may have stolen Mike Portnoy's ID or something. Oh, okay. Um, basically, so it started off. He uh, started off a guy uh, met. I'm doing air quotes. Mike Portnoy in a gay bar, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah, he was like, "Oh yeah, I'm the drummer for uh, for Dream Theater." And the guy didn't know who Dream Theater was, but he was, you know, having a good conversation with him, and they went back to his place and had sex. And the next morning, uh, the Mike Portnoy imposter mm-hmm. stole his wallet. Oh no. <laughs> Jesus. And so basically it was just weird stories like that. Like he would go around telling people, yeah, I'm Mike Portnoy. Um, there was the, that was the guitarist for a band had like, had done, like had seen some dream theater or something like he he watched, like they maybe had played together and um, shared a stage at some point, but he couldn't quite really remember what Mike Portnoy looked like. He's like, you look close enough, right? Because um, that was going to be my first question: was like, does he look anything like the actual? There's there's like one picture on the internet, right? And it's real blurry. <laughs> um, I do love the idea of someone being able to impersonate someone else for like. 
like the original person being slightly obscure enough that you could just be like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> but it's also, and it's also, he's kind of an obscure person to be. Yeah, yep. You know, a lot of, like, I mean, I know who Mike Portnoy is because I've read, you know, plenty of magazines, plenty of metal magazines, but if, you know, if he was convincing enough to you, you wouldn't know who he is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I might read, so it was, a, it was in the Unresolved Mysteries subreddit from two years ago. Mm-hmm. I might just read out the uh the the article so from february to march of 2003 a man was going around new york city pretending to be mike portnoy the drummer of the band dream theater many people reported encountering a drunk and drugged out mike portnoy in the city around this time period however the problems caused by mike's impersonator were not limited to merely damaging his reputation with drunk debauchery reports began to come in from gay men who were picked up by mike portnoy at a bar or club Brought, brought him home, then found that he had robbed them while they weren't paying attention. He also ingratiated himself to people in bands, including Chris Caffrey of the band Sabotage, uh, who had been gigged with the real Mike Portnoy in the past. Even gigged. Eventually, however, the imposter's scam unraveled when he was made to actually play the drums, <laughs> although the imposter could get by with his strangely encyclopedic knowledge of Mike Portnoy's life and Dream Theater's history. He could not imitate Mike's drumming. <laughs> The imposter was finally caught when the real Mike Portnoy staged a sting operation with a person of another band and invited the imposter for a gig. The man was identified as Anthony Mendez, 35, and served his time. Flash forward to 2006, and he pretended to be Mike Portnoy one last time, <laughs> staying at a man's home. He met... Staying at a man's home, comma. He met the man's roommate the night before and kept on insisting that he was Mike Portnoy. He was described as looking like a wreck and was on drugs. He described everything he knew about Mike and left. <laughs> the imposter has never impersonated Portnoy again or has been seen since. What became of the man and how did he get all of this information about Mike Portnoy? I'm going to say he's probably dead. Yeah, it doesn't sound like he had a particularly... One of the other, like, like I was watching a video about it and apparently, like, he was just, like, talking to some people and it was like, yeah, he pulled, he pulled a bottle of pills out of his pants, but it wasn't his pocket... It was, like, just in his pants, and he wasn't wearing underwear. <laughs> oh, no. And the bottle was uncapped for some reason. Oh, no. Okay. I love, like, in the comments, <laughs> Reddit user Samye wrote, During this time, I got to see a clinic by, and then in brackets, one assumes the real Mike Portnoy. I love that there's just that, like, second guessing of, like, oh, no. <laughs> but uh, it's... And then someone else made a very hilarious literary joke by saying it is interesting because portnoy never brought it up that means there was no portnoy's complaint uh so portnoy's complaint that's all i can think of when i hear the name portnoy so it's a novel by philip roth which i tried to read and i never finished it's about a guy who's just like obsessed with jacking it i think wait did you actually try to read this or oh yeah i tried to oh, okay. yeah i thought you were reading someone's no 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 so yeah it's th- about this kid, Alex Portnoy, who was a teenager and just obsessed with whacking it. Like, yeah. Someone actually commented that they met the guy. I met this guy at a bar yeah. in New York City around 2003. I had never heard of Dream Theater and therefore never heard of Mike Portnoy. I thought it was really cool meeting a rock star. I bought him some drinks and hung out at the bar with him for a while, then went downstairs to play pool with my friends. Lame story, but I totally forgot about this whole thing until now. Yeah. It's, yeah. I just love that thing of 
hey man, play some drums for us. <laughs> I love that. Like, I just like to picture that he didn't think far enough on his plan of like, oh, but shit, what if they ask me to play the drums? Because it's like, why impersonate someone who has a skill? Yeah. Because of course it's going to eventually come around. Of course eventually someone's going to be like, hey, there's a drum kit. Like, give us some give us some beats. It's, you know, it, I'm sure that every comedian at some point in their life when they've said, what do you do? I'm a comedian. Tell us a joke. Yeah. It would just be... And also, like, poor actual Mike Portnoy, because... Yeah, apparently this wasn't great for him. <laughs> no, for but, like, I would be so offended if there was someone out there pretending to be me, but somehow they managed to do so to a point where everyone was like, oh, I guess so. Makes sense. Like, this isn't... This is beyond simple, I'm stealing your credit card and stealing some stuff. Yeah, no, this is, like, I am you. This is actually trying to wear your... Well, not literally, but, like, wearing your skin. <laughs> but, yeah, like, especially that guy who had already played with him before, like, another gig. Mm. Like, <laughs> I would never speak to that person again, because it's like, how did you not know that yeah. was not me? <laughs> yeah. And they were like, they, yeah, they were doing... They, were, they eventually were looking at pictures going, well, you have a gap in your teeth, Mike doesn't have a gap in his teeth. Like, What's oh, going man. on here? So, just super bizarre. Mm. Who would you impersonate? I couldn't... I wouldn't be able to impersonate. I don't look like anyone. I don't have any talent that I could match any other talent. I barely manage impersonating myself, so... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, shit. That's a bleak <laughs> way to end this episode, but let's wrap it up. Yeah. Hell yeah or yeah nah? <sighs> I'm going to say yeah nah. Yeah, that's what I'm giving it. Cool. Yeah, nah. Nah. I'm fine with uh, giving it a yeah, nah. Mm-hmm. So, thank you for listening, as always. We appreciate it. We appreciate you. Um, next week, you raised your hand as if to say something. Now you were gesturing at me to keep going. All right. And you're nodding at me. You could... You are allowed to speak. <laughs> So next, I, I was going to yes, going to next week. So. Okay, so next week we are looking at the song "Like a Prayer" by Madonna, as covered by Rufio for Punk Goes Pop. Very important song for me. Mm, yeah, I'm very excited about this one. Um, also, we didn't announce it in last week's episode, but we are also if you're listening to us on SoundCloud or stop iTunes, it, we are on Spotify now. Mm. So there you go. You can listen to us on the Spotify's. You sure can. Yeah. We're moving up in the world. Yep. Until what? what? I was going to say, like Moesha, we're moving up. Coming up. And was it Moesha? I can't remember. No. That was, um, wasn't that Donna Summer? No. Hang on. Now I need to know. Man, this episode really just took a turn for the worst. Sure. Um, yeah, Diana Ross. I'm coming up. That's I'm coming out. Or is it? Is that the same? Yeah, I'm coming up. So Diana Ross. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Anyway, bye. Bye. <laughs>